0: Welcome to City Temple and Chelsea Community Church. Uh, this our live stream, we're online. Um, this is one part of our Sunday worship gathering. If you'd like to join us or, or for our whole service uh, via Zoom, please email us at info at city-temple.com. Um, we also love having you here on So We also have a YouTube channel, so it's on the YouTube. And we have a Facebook and Instagram. We'd like to share. The best is always being here physically present uh, in the church. So it's great for us to be together. Okay, uh, so Zoe, you can, they're just getting out the study notes. Maybe this way as well, a little bit over here. <laughs> the other ones. There. Maybe Evie, if you can help with the, this preview. Oh, okay. K- Kingsley's Helping. Help All right. Colossians chapter 1, uh, as we get uh, ready for it. Now, if for any reason uh, you, there isn't enough studies, we'll try and email that as well to you. We'll, we'll help that way. Great. Colossians chapter 1, verses... Um, 15 to uh, 24, we're going to, uh, 23, 23. Uh, we read together. Colossians chapter 1, verse uh, 15 to 23. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, in heaven, on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He has now reconciled in his body, all flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, become a minister. May we be blessed at the reading and the preaching of God's holy word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask today, speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, Lord, let us be renewed and transformed. Take anything that is false and bring what is true into our lives so that we can truly give glory and honor to the Son and to the Father and to the Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I don't know if you've ever heard of Judson W. Van Deventer. Anyone ever heard of him? Yeah, He's a hymn writer, but he was also an evangelist. Now, he lived in 1855 to 1939, and he became a music minister and an evangelist, and he he published many songs. But he had an inspiration, and this is something from his diary. This is what he wrote. For some time, I had struggled between developing my talents in the field of art and going into full-time evangelistic work, ministry. At last, the pivotal hour of my life came, and I surrendered all. A new day was ushered into my life. I became an evangelist, a minister, and discovered down deep in my soul a talent hitherto unknown to me. God had hidden a song in my heart, and touching a tender chord, he caused me to sing. In the 1930s, uh, he actually, uh, no, actually, way before that, he had also been uh, in a a seminary, a place of biblical study, with some other young man, very very young at this time. But this young man was so impacted by his ministry and by his passion and his love, and and especially by his music, uh, he he took one of his songs and used it for his ministry. This young man was Billy Graham. And the song that he had, that he took from it, is called, I Surrender All. Now, I'm going to try and sing this. Now You're going to have to help me here. Maybe some of you know this song. I surrender all, I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Oh, we could do a nice choir here, couldn't we? (laughs) So he was the author of this song, but in history, a little bit forgotten, a little bit kind of uh, not, not, well, unless you study hymns and things. But this song became an important hymn in the ministry of Billy Graham. He u- used it in the Crusades. Billy, those of you who don't know who Billy Graham was, he was an evangelist that God used greatly um, in, in, the, in the last century, especially uh, to bring many people to Christ. Many, many, and in, in lots of parts of the world. Uh, South America, Africa, Asia, Europe, and the Americas. God gifted him with this. But it's these connections and these people that he connected with that uh, also helped him in his ministry. Now this makes me think a little bit about Colossians, because uh, in that letter, last week I was sharing with you, just a little bit of the background of Colossians, which is this small letter for this church. And it almost, you could almost think that this church or this letter wasn't going to be written, but yet there was this young man or this person that was part of Paul's ministry called Epaphras. Now you've got to remember that name. If we ever, if, you know, when we get to heaven, it's I'd, 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 one of those people I'd like to talk to. Because he, th- he doesn't, you don't hear much about him. He, he, there's no letter to a pathrist. There is no gospel of a This You know, this guy's pretty quiet in some ways. But yet, the church that he planted became this letter that we have now in the New Testament. And God, I guess, in a, in a way rewards him for the work that he did there by keeping him in the Holy Scriptures. Now, I want you just to use... There's a sanctified imagination a little bit here, yeah? Imagine what Epaphras, he's, he's gathered these people outside of Ephesus. He's, he's started to share the gospel to them. They're hearing the message. They're, they're falling in love with Jesus. They're becoming disciples of Christ. They're, they're beginning to mature. They're understanding. And then all of a sudden, problems happen to this new church plant. It's not a big church. It's a small community church outside of the big cities. But yet, it's important what's happening here. And Epaphras, if we could just use our imagination here. I imagine his letter something like this. Dear Apostle Paul, it's your your friend, your disciple, Epaphras. Here I am. I've got great news. The church is growing. We're getting people from around the community. People are hearing the gospel, but we have a problem. I'm finding it difficult, Paul, because there are people that are false teachers taking people away and starting to discourage them in their faith. They're telling them that they need new revelation, that Jesus isn't enough, that Jesus isn't human, or He isn't isn't the divine and Savior. They're telling them also that they need, some of them, to return to the law, that they need circumcision, that they need to go back to the the old covenant in many ways. Paul, help. I've, I've just started, and there's a lot of good stuff happening, but at the same time... These are the difficulties, and I imagine that's the letter that Paul reads, and we get the answer here. We get the letter of Colossians. Now, last week I shared a little bit of that part, but I want to maybe delve in a little bit deeper to what Paul begins to deal through the Holy Spirit: the needs of this church, because there are there is this group called the Gnostics who are, and also there are Judaizers who who are bringing a false message to them, taking them away from the first love, taking them away from just the simplicity of the gospel. And in this, there's an important word here that we need to remember, preeminent. This means that he is first in everything, first in importance, first in honor, first in exaltation, supremacy overall. I want you to keep that in your mind because Paul is going to hammer that in really hard here because of this group, the Gnostics. They were trying to diminish Christ. They were trying to distort the image of Christ in the minds and the hearts of these new believers, telling them they need visions and angels and other things that are, that are not under Christ. To, and, and in this way, they were puffing themselves up and saying, we're, we're more important than Paul or Epaphras or any others. You know, we have this revelation that no one else has. But Paul, that's the, the wonderful thing. He says, I only preach Christ and Him crucified. And that was his message always. And he's going to bring it back to them in a, in a way, and un- un- making them understand how Jesus is the center and preeminence of all things. And he's going to hit it hard. So we go into this text here, and he says, you know, he's dealing with these false teachers who were confused about creation, thinking that matter was evil, that the human body wasn't good. So they said, how could God be in human flesh? That doesn't make sense. How could Jesus inhabit a human body? They were saying, this, this can't be true, This this... The gospel that you're hearing from, from these apostles is false. We've got truth, and they were trying to confuse them and take them away. Today, we have things like the New Age and other false religions, where they try to paint the picture that God is everywhere. God is in all things. And some people, you know, literally are tree huggers. They'll put their hands or hug a tree because they believe I'm connecting to God in that way. And yet that is false and wrong. And, and sometimes these little things creep into church. There are these little things of the, the new age entering or false religions. And so God here in this through the Spirit of God wants to con- correct him and understand that because you know that God did come in the human flesh, but there's something unique about God's divinity in Christ and His and His incarnation, His Him becoming flesh. He was Paul trying to get rid of the confusion. Instead of the, them being enslaved to the to this false error he was going to begin to lift up that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. This does not refer to time, or, uh, but, a, or, but a place or a status, that he is first before all of the creation. It doesn't mean that he was created. And see, sometimes some false religions would take that word firstborn and say, well, see, Jesus was created, and it's not. This is a, a misunderstanding on the word. This firstborn means that he is before all, that he is equal with God that Jesus was not created, that he is the creator of all things. This word firstborn means he's of first importance, of first rank. He is prior to all creation. So everything else comes after Jesus. So, So this we understand that Christ the firstborn, the message is that Christ, again this word supremacy, preeminence, that he's sovereign and he's extended over all things and above all of his creation. So he wants them to understand that. He wants them to begin to put Jesus in the right place, not to take him off his throne, but to continue to lift him up correctly in their minds and their hearts. Jesus is not created being. He is the eternal God. He is the image. This is this word, the exact representation and revelation of God. Similar to what we see sometimes in a coin or a stamp, the image of our king now, before it was the queen. But even more, it's his presence in the body, and it reveals and we see this in the letters of Hebrew and John. Especially those two letters. John saying the word was with God and the word became flesh. Or in Hebrew saying that, you know, how Christ is, is the one who sustains all and keeps all together by the power of his word. This word being Jesus. In John fourteen nine, it says, Jesus said, He that have seen me have seen the Father. So this connection... He knew, and Paul wanted them to understand that. You have now seen Jesus. You have seen the the, the good news. Do not let anyone rob you from this. Continue to know that He is everything that you need, that He is the one that created all that you see. Yes, we can look at creation and we see the works of His hand. And like Gisela says right now, the sun, yeah, it's kind of painted in the sky really, isn't it? You can't really feel its warmth. But it's there, and God created it. We see the weathers and the seasons. It's a, there's another hymn that I remember. It's um, all things bright and beautiful. And I know you know this one. All things bright and beautiful, all creatures great and small, all things wise and wonderful, the Lord God made them all. We're going to have a choir lesson today, I think. (laughs) So Pastor Rod, look. (laughs) So it's all for him, all created for his glory. All created to bring him honor. Jesus has revealed God to us. The nature reveals the existence, the power, and the wisdom of God. We see it in there. We see it in the trees, the birds. We see the, how everything is precisely done. It's interesting. We were listening to, to how even the amount of gravity, the way the earth is positioned around is at exactly the size. Those of you who are scientific, those of you who studied medicine, those of you who have studied chemistry and biology. You know this, these details when sometimes they, the scientists will say, it doesn't make sense, but everything is accurately placed and precise. One inch off and the world spins out into, into, into chaos. If the atoms are, are in the wrong place, or in, it all goes boom, <laughs> to say it in, in other ways. Yet, when we know who Christ is, the one who keeps, and we know that he creates all things, we can understand it's his power, his wisdom that's causing and keeping creation together nature cannot reveal the essence of god that's important for us to understand because those things are revealed by the spirit through his word in our hearts his the not to know him personally is distinct we can know his works but it's different you can know about picasso in his art you could know about a musician through his music a bit but to know them personally there has to be a relationship conversation, a time that you pass with them, listening and talking with them, those things happen in, in relationship, and that's the essence of God revealed to us. This week with the kids, I always bring my kids into the sermons, I know, but this is, if you've grown up as, as, as uh, pastor's kids, you know you do this, <laughs> it's just whether you, yeah, my, my dad did it to me, so it's my turn now, kids. <laughs> but they said to me, and, and I said the same thing to them, so I can say I've done the same thing. Dad, church is boring. And I said the same thing when I was a kid. <laughs> Dad. And I said, and, I, and, and the, the very simple answer, the same answer he gave me, church is not there to entertain you. It's not there to give you a happy feeling, though it can. Church is there for you to give glory to God, for you to worship God, for you to encounter God. It's not about you again. And this is the funny thing, because a lot, I'm going to go down a rabbit trail now, <laughs> that I I remember seeing some of these things because this is that kind of false religion that sometimes steps into the church. Saying, if we paint the walls black, if we put a smoke machine, if we put the lights, if we have an amazing band, you know, then God will bring growth. And we let these false things begin to enter into the church that do not bring glory because church isn't here to entertain us. We are here to worship God and know him and know his power, his wisdom, and his presence. So that's a big change. That's the thing, and, I, and I'll repeat it to the kids as they keep on saying it to me. But I know there's moments that I surprise. I, I always say to, 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 to my, my elder ones who are teenagers, you know, it's in those listening to the sermons, being next to my dad, seeing him serving God, that I also picked up things about God that I, I could no other way. There was no other way. I just learned those things being next to him. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that my dad dragged me to church, to prayer meetings and other things, because it was where I also had these seeds sown in. And there was obviously the encounters of God personally. Back to the message out of my rabbit trails. <laughs> so Jesus is Christ, is that invisible God. He is revealed perfectly in and shows us. And since no creature can perfectly reveal God, Jesus must be God. That was what the first part, the firstborn of all creation, lifting up. But also... In verse 16, he says, he created all things. See, this, this attribute that's given to God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis chapter 1. One of the first things that we see in the characteristics of God is that he is a creator. But it also says, and in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, John chapter 1, verse 1. We see that Christ was there together. A creation, he was there. He, he created all things. He himself is uncreated, but he brought all things to creation. And Jesus Christ is the firstborn of all because he created all that we see. Is it? Look at the authority he has. He's with the apostles in a ship. There's a storm, there's a sea, everything's going on. And he says, be still. Why? Because he has created it. He has authority over it. He can say to the storms, be still. He can say to the, 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 the winds, be quiet. Because he is the firstborn. He is supreme. He is preeminent to all that is created. And this also gives us authority over sickness and of other things that the enemy tries to bring against us. All things were made by him, says in John 1.3. The visible and the invisible. And it's in that text in Colossians. It says those things that we see and cannot see were all created by God. And this is way before microscopes. This is way before we understood uh, bacteria and microbiology and atoms, or even um, now it's called uh, quantum physics. All of these deep things that we now understand that the world is much more complex. There are things around us happening. There's atoms all over. Trillions and billions of atoms in your body. God is supreme over all that in Christ Jesus. All things for His glory. All held by Him. I think that why is, this is not just because Paul wants us to deal with false teaching through the Holy Spirit revealing to us, but also sometimes we need to remember in our moments of trials and difficulties, God is holding everything by the power of His Word in Christ Jesus, visible and invisible, all for his, under His command. It also says there, all things exist for Him. This is coming back. So he is before the creation, before everything existed, he is there. And then he is the one who created everything. And that's the second part. But the third part, all of creation, everything, heavens and earth, visible and invisible, is all created for him, for his glory. Bringing together the Father, Son, and the Spirit, the Holy Trinity, this mystery together that God working all things for his glory, that it was done for for his worship and honor. All things exist in him. For him and through him. He is the agent through which they came into being. And the one for whom they were made. All of this will be to come back to him. If everything in creation exists for him. Then nothing can be of itself evil. Now we can just say a little bit an extra here. Except for Satan and the fallen angels. And even those God uses to accomplish his will. Read Revelation how everything works out for the will of God in his time. There is the perfect will of God and there's the permissive will of God and God allows to bring all of this into into place. And it's our responsibility to, to to say, Lord, I surrender all. You are supreme. You are above all, Lord. I want to be in your perfect will because I want to bring glory also in everything that I do. My finances, my time, my relationship, my thoughts. See, this was was to deal deeper with them. If these false teachers were giving false messages to to those to try and confuse the church, Paul was was putting deep in their heart something that will make them unmovable. That God is above all things. He's in you. Make Him first. And everything else will bring, bring glory for the Father and the Son. God's creation, even though under the bondage of sin, can be used for God's glory and enjoyed by God's people. And here we are. We are part of that, asking the Lord to continue to work. I, I, to, I know what we're seeing in the news is still the, the continuation of the, the difficulties in Ukraine. But I just hear in my heart the Lord just continues to say, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Not by the U.S., Canada, or the nations. Not by mo- money or bombs or, or warfare, but by the Spirit of God, the worlds and the seasons and the nations are changed. He is preeminent. He is supreme over all things and all things. It says in Scripture, every nation, every tongue, every creature will bring glory to the throne, will exalt Jesus in the end. They will worship him and bring every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord of all. That is the, the, the preeminence and the supremacy of God. Verse 17, he says he holds all things together. That Jesus can hold all of these things together. He is the firstborn. He is the creator. It is through him. And yet he also sustains it all. What a, what a truth we need as we continue seeing churches plant, disciples mature. And he is in all of it continuing working. Jesus Christ is God. We see this Holy Trinity holding everything. Only God exists before all creation. And only God can make all creation cohere and work together well. To make Jesus Christ less than God is to dethrone him. And that's what these false teachings were doing. Whether it's New Age today or the Gnosticism in the past, whether it's other false religions taking away and saying, well, Jesus is the equal, the same path as all other gods and all other religions is false. That is to dethrone and take away his his divinity, his, his, his power and his majesty. I put another hymn in here. He's got the whole world in his hands. I've got so many songs in here. <laughs> but it is that, isn't it? There's something about it. now. I want to tell you something. The reason I have these hymns here, because it did it was something that as I read this text, it was a little dense at the beginning. I was remembering that that struggle to go through it. And I said, Lord, it was interesting as studying it more and more that historically this text had um be known to be a hymn or a poem, so I thought it makes sense. Sometimes, and sometimes we remember things better in music. There's something deep that in our hearts as we worship God and know that. And I I shared with you last Sunday that uh, as a chaplain uh, in the care homes and with those on um, palliative care, the hymns is such a medicine as well to them. That they the, when you sing a hymn, and it's interesting without them having to look at a hymn, book, especially those who've grown up in Anglican, Methodist, and Baptist. Uh, and even and some of the other denominations that, are tradi- that have history of hymns, you sing a hymn and they just instantly recognize it. It springs out of their hearts and comes into mind. And in that way it is, this, this holding God all together. We, we know that when we worship Him, we, we're understanding it, this. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says, He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the power of His Word. Knowing all of this, it, sh- it does, it creates in our hearts a desire to worship. At least that's what I begin to see. We worship God. We know that He is before creation. Mm-hmm. He is the creator. And all of creation is for Him. And He holds all of this for His glory. Heavens and earth, the vi- visible and invisible, the thrones, all together, sustained by Him. And that's how we worship Him. We get to know. And a lot. Of, sometimes we have to think deep in our worship, not just to be songs... ...that are sentimental and just uh, moving our emotions... ...but that there is truth in what we're singing. That there is, there is the word of God that is being proclaimed in our songs. And then he comes to this part where he says in verse 18... ...that Jesus is the head. Now, going from all creation, he now comes to the, to the church. That Jesus is the head, the one in control over his people... ...whom he has delivered and redeemed. And this body is his church. We are the church... We're his body. We're the one. And to him and to no one else we belong to. We're under his now, under his kingdom. And it says we've been removed from the kingdom of darkness, placed into a kingdom of light for his glory. So that and in the and in the kingdom of the Son that he loves. And this is also this equal love that he has for us. He equally, the way that he loves Jesus the Son, he equally loves us. See the church. It's a living organism, not, not just an organization or a structure or a building. It's an extension of Christ's work through us, His church, His body. It's a loving relationship between the Redeemer and those redeemed. That's the church. And it's totally dependent on the head. It cannot exist apart. When you hear people saying, well, I don't belong to any church. I don't connect to any church. then you're not part of the body. You're not part because we, we are sustained and kept together by the head. He is the preeminent of creation, heaven and earth. He is preeminent of the new creation and the firstborn of the dead. And this is when he begins to say in verse 19, he says uh, about, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to the Lord, and through him to reconcile all things, whether on the earth or in heaven. Uh, oh, sorry, verse 18, again, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Verse 18, the last part. Uh, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be He is the first of the new creation. Listen, He is the first of this new creation we have in Christ. New heavens, new earth, but also a new body. We have this new this new body that's given it when we are uh, taken up with Him and, and, and uh, in, in, in our resurrected bodies. He is the first to rise from the dead. I remember once someone said, no, but... Didn't um, Lazarus die, and wasn't he one of the first to resurrect? Well, yeah, Lazarus resurrected, but he died afterwards. Jesus' resurrection is the first that overcame sin, death, and hell. Lazarus' resurrection, or any other person that Jesus rose from the dead, never defeated Satan, sin, or hell. But Jesus' did. His resurrection is the first, the supreme, the first of all resurrection. And in our resurrected bodies, we are, we are in that same position as Christ. That's the, what we, we wait for. We see that, that it's yet to come. The fullness of God. And he reckons, in verse 19 and 20, he reconciles all to himself, all things. This the word became flesh for the glory of the Father revealed in Jesus. God was pleased for the fullness, for all that he is to dwell in Jesus. And that, that's that kind of that, we're seeing the incarnation, we're seeing his fullness in that. So we have this reconciliation by the blood of of the lamb and the gospel being again proclaimed. It's just bringing them back, getting them out of the false teaching and saying, it's about what Jesus did. He died for your sins. He is the first of everything. And he's also the one who is going to bring the new, usher in the new creation in Christ Jesus. We, you know, And this righteousness is that we have eternal life. Because of the blood, he has disarmed, he has disarmed all the accusing power of the devil and he shames them and triumphs over them. We have that victory and that peace, we are able to have that peace, we are set free from the power of sin and all demonic powers, stripped completely because of what Christ has done. No angel could do that, no false prophets or religions could do that, only Christ on His cross. Foolishness to people of the world, they say that does not make sense, how can someone dying on the cross bring victory, yet for those who are saved and understand, who have the Spirit of God in them, understand. It is because of Jesus' cross, because of his blood, all principalities and powers are disarmed. Everything that was accusing against me, every sin that the enemy uses against me has been washed by the blood of Jesus. I am a new creation. I am seated in heavenly place. I am made righteous. I'm a royal son of God. I can be used by God now. That all because of Jesus. He is preeminent, He is supreme. He deserves the honor, the power, and the glory. We have a great Redeemer. He is the head of His church. We are His body. And all all that we do, we should do to, to bring Him glory and praise Him. It pleased God the Father. It pleased God the Son. That in Him all the fullness will dwell. And that we, His church, can carry that power and can praise Him forever and ever. Amen and amen and amen. Let us stand and pray. You deserve... All the glory, Lord. You deserve all the praise. You are the one who created all that we see, Lord. You are before creation. All has been created for your glory, Lord. And by the power of your word, you sustain all things. Heavens and earth, the visible and invisible, what we see and cannot see, Lord. You sustain it all by the power of your word for your glory, Lord. And your church, Lord. It is the extension of your body, Lord. And Lord, you have said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You will continue to work through your people, Lord. We thank you, Lord, because in your name, sickness is healed. In your name, Lord, poverty flees. In your name, Lord, we see, Lord Father, families restored, people brought to the gospel and renewed and transformed by the power of your word and your spirit, Lord. Be glorified. Be glorified, Jesus. Be glorified in this place. Be glorified in the heavens and the earth. Be glorified in your church. Be glorified in the nations. Because you deserve all the praise. You deserve all the glory. You are preeminent. You are supreme over all. Amen.